Listening Dog Media. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen, and Kate Borsay. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule podcast, episode seven. Lucky seven, maybe, for us girls. <laughs> Who knows? We don't need luck. Come off it. <laughs> um, I've got Kate Borsay and Hayley McQueen joining me once more for another Offside Rule podding. And I've got to begin by talking about... What is podding? <laughs> I'm just making my own urban dictionary up. <laughs> um, I just wanted to speak about the Manchester derby before we get into the topics and what's coming up. Because Hayley, for one... It was one great goal, wasn't it? Superb. It really was. Oh, it's horrible. I was at a wedding all weekend, so luckily, luckily, I wasn't around to watch too much football, but very disappointing Mm. indeed. 4-1, but not for any Manchester United fans at all, including (laughs) Hayley McQueen, that one. Well, we're using that to inspire topic number one, which is there is no I in team, or is there? Because I thought Vincent Kompany was immense for Manchester City, and his return after injury seems to have really sparked something for them. And then on the other side of the coin, Manchester United missing Robin Van Persie seemed a big gaping hole for United as well. So it's made us think about teams where one player is pretty crucial crucial to proceeding. So I'm, I'm asking you for your one-player teams. Um, I'm asking as well with Paolo Di Canio being sacked from Sunderland. Um, I'd like you both to give me your favourite player and manager Di Canio moment, please. Uh, also, we're going to go on a road trip. I've been on a few road trips recently. I went to the Lake District, which, which was a long drive. Um, and also, I went to Swansea this week to interview John Hartson, which was like four hours there, four hours back. And it made me think about people and passengers in a car that could entertain you on a long road trip so I want your footballing people that you'd put in a car with you. I then uh, emailed Lindsay to say can the people in the car be dead? She thought I was talking about the people in her car (laughs) on the way back from Swansea at that moment causing many hysterics and much confusion. You can imagine what I was like in the car when I worked that out. She was like can people be dead? And uh, No first of all you asked how I was. I have to go through the line of of what you did because it just really confused me and then you were like is it okay if the people in the car are dead? And I was like we're pretty alive here we're doing okay it's a long journey Kate but I'm fine um Kate Partridge has got the Bundesliga roundup for us we'll have Faker Others with a fashion themed Twitter topic of the week uh, but a reminder that we are out every Thursday we're on audio boo you can also go to our website for every single podcast offsiderulepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter as well at offsiderulepod the female take on football 
So let's get in without further ado to topic number one. There is no iron team. Are we, are we a believer in that? Is there an iron team? I'm going to start with Kate Borsay. Uh, you're going to give me an example of a football team where there is a big shaped eye. <laughs> well, when you put this topic to me, um, I immediately thought of Paul McGrath and his reign at Aston Villa and what an absolute linchpin he was for that side. He was there between 89 and 96, one PFA player of the, of the, of the year. And the really important thing there as well is he was a defender, played at centre-back for most of his time there, won two League Cups with Aston Villa. Um, just a fantastic uh, one-man team, I guess. And although the Villa team uh, came runners-up in the top flight twice whilst he was in that team... It was the weight, it was his attitude, it was his never-say-die that uh, really caused that Aston Villa side to be quite infamous. If I'm to come closer to home very quickly, I want to mention Glenn Murray, championship top scorer last season with 30 goals, uh, ruptured his anterior cruciate ligament in Palace's playoffs, so we haven't seen him yet in the Premier League this season. But last season, he was very influential in that side, not only for his goals scored, but also as a thoroughly professional player. He actually missed some of his holiday during the off-season to try and come back as early as he could. Um, He's expected to make a return in December, but I think it's a different situation. They are playing in a league above, but they're really missing his goals and his professionalism. And I think his ability to get that hat-trick, to get that brace, to kind of seemingly create goals out of nothing. Scored the winning goal a couple of seasons ago when Palace beat Manchester United in the quarter-finals, I think, of, of the League Cup. So he's capable of doing brilliant things for a good team. I'm glad as well that you touched on what a player can bring to the dressing room because that's a factor that often goes missing. But um, which team do you think rely on a player, Hayley? My player is currently playing in Syria. Ah, He was at Manchester United in the youth setup. He's actually Italian. Well, he's from Parma, actually. Um, And he is now back in Italy as a player who's doing very good things for Fiorentina. Now, he's a player that Manchester United fans would like to have stayed at Manchester United, but he was there just for a little while, and he is a very little player. They could have maybe done with him right now. He's like a messy. It's Giuseppe Rossi. There you go. That rhymes, doesn't it? He um, went on loan to Palmer and Newcastle United for a while. He's been really uh, injury hit with his career, unfortunately. He was at Villarreal as well a little bit. But I think the Italian leagues are actually getting very exciting at the moment. We've seen over the past few years so many players leave Syria, and it's been a bit disappointing that there hasn't been the competition there. We all talk about the German league uh, and, you know, French? and French league uh, with the money that's over there and Spain of course who've been dominant so for so many um, decades now but this player a little bit like Luca Toni for Fiorentina many years ago was kind of the player that kept the team together now Dimitar Berbatov could have signed for Fiorentina didn't quite work out apparently they paid his flight he went there and then didn't get a connecting flight because Juventus apparently oh. tried to sign him. And then, of course, Fulham came in. There you have it. And then there was Gomez from the Bundesliga. Uh, he has signed for them, but unfortunately is injured at the moment. So they were going to be relying on him. However, Rossi scored five in five. And he has got them off to a flying start in Syria at the moment. A 100% ranks slightly below some of the best strikers in the world, but I think he's right up there at the moment. Highest scorer at the moment, 
when you go onto the stats pages and look, he is up there um, in terms of uh, assists, passing, possession as well. Stats for Fiorentina are looking quite good. They're really solid across the midfield, but he is very much there to make sure that they get the goal. So he scored six goals in 27 appearances for Italy as well. So he may be little. I think he's five foot seven, <laughs> although he seems a bit shorter than that. But he's very much a kind of uh, messy type player. That's taller than me. I'm five oh, six. Well, Have, you're a bit taller than me, though, Kate. Yes. You're okay. I'm the short one. Yeah. <laughs> you are you are above average, Lindsay. Wow. In, ev- in every way. Wow. Two above average <laughs> with some of these amazing players at Les Serie are bringing it back round. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. sad, actually. They, they've lost the likes of Thiago Silva, uh, Ibrahimovic, Samueletto, Javier Pastore, um, Jovetic as well, Edinson Cavani. So they've lost all these amazing players, but they have gained Tevez, Balotelli, real characters there, and Giuseppe Rossi. I think it's going to be a very exciting season for Fiorentina. I think they can really challenge at the moment. Uh, and as well, actually, there's been a real rise in ticket sales and of people going to watch football in Serie A, which is really promising, from 12,000 to 22,000 in space of a year. That was just at Fiorentina. And I think it's very much down to them having some exciting players, particularly Rossi, but at the moment they are very much relying on him but I think he's enjoying the challenge having been so injured and so out of the mix for so long and not quite making it at Manchester United but always being talked of one of these players that is going to make it a future star I think it's uh, really exciting so I'm pleased to see him doing well and that is the reason for picking him I'm pleased to say that we've really mixed this up, girls. So Kate went championship, haley has gone Syria, I've gone down the leagues to League One for mm. mine. So I'm going with Port Vale's Tom Pope, mm. who last season was the League One top goal scorer. He got 31 league goals. He inevitably helped earn Vale promotion from League Two up to League One. But at the start of this season, he's had some injuries. He had a hand injury that's played caused him quite a bit of trouble. A frustrating start to the season, and he failed to score in the first five matches this season season. Um, and they've really missed him. Down in 13th in the table at the moment in League One, which is sort of no man's land, isn't it? It's not where any team wants to be. But they're starting to rise up the league now because Pope has started scoring again. Mm-hmm. I think proof enough that he's one man that they just can't do without and they need him to be firing on all cylinders in order to get promotion again this season. He actually started his resurrection against Wolves, even though we still won. <laughs> we, we, beat, we beat Port Vale, but he scored in the final minute of that league encounter. And that sort of set him up he got a brace against Berry in the Johnson's Paint Trophy and I think the real game that swung it for him in the last few matches was he got an injury time winner against Carlisle and then he went on as well uh, to score the first of Vale's three goals at the weekend when they came from behind twice to beat Coventry 3-2 so it's a man coming back into form and suddenly I'm sure we'll see Port Vale rising up the League One table because of that evidence that they need him Tom Pope is my call Hello everyone, this is Tony Cotty from Sky Sports Soccer Saturday and when I'm not working with Jeff Stelling and the boys, I'm listening to the Offside Rule podcast. Women not know anything about football. You're having a laugh, aren't you? We'll go on to topic number two then, and it's only about one fiery Italian, another little Italian. (laughs) Uh, This is Paolo Di Canio. He got sacked from Sunderland after going on the pitch and doing the whole keep your chin up. He was to the fans. What was he doing? Just just, just never going to be a good move, was it, that? The players are delighted, though, aren't they? Well, apparently (laughs) it's the players that have gone to the CEO and said, you know, actually, we we want him out. Now, player power, maybe that's actually played a big role in yeah, this but let's go with uh, Di Canio best moments as a manager our favourite moments 
and also our favourite managers for him as a player and have a bit of a Decanio loving or hating, if you're Kate Borsay, maybe. Uh, let's start this time with Hayley. I think mine are actually both of him as a manager as opposed to a player. There's, there's so many, yeah. though, isn't there? So I've just picked out a couple of my favourites. Something I wouldn't have enjoyed when he was Thunderland manager. Remember he put that ban just a few weeks ago um, on certain things at the training ground. Yeah. Ketchup. Coke and mayonnaise. No, I'd be having a ketchup mayonnaise Coke party now if I were the players, wouldn't you? Coca Cola, of course, soft drink. Just being careful there. But yeah, I love my fizzy drinks. I'd be devastated. But you can understand from a nutrition point of view all the salt in ketchup, all the fat in mayonnaise, and all the badness that you get in Coke as well and fizzy drinks. So I kind of get where he's coming from. But he made a big point of doing it, and he kind of got out in the public, and newspapers certainly enjoyed that. I'd like to see him back in the game because he is entertaining. I found him a bit of a distraction though because when I saw him Southampton against Sunderland I found that I was watching him on the mm. bench getting in his assistant manager's ear all the time and being quite flamboyant and gesturing I was too busy watching what he was doing rather than what was happening on the pitch you do have to wonder how much of it all is about Paolo and whether it's the Paolo show and whether his players are dragged into that and he obviously has very strong morals very strong ethics within the game you know and he has the attitude that that he's always right and I'm not sure whether you can work with a football team with up to 22, 23 players and all the backroom staff and be that inflexible, really. He might think he's always right, but I think he's willing to admit when he's wrong, which is a quality I like in him. Mm. Apart from when he speaks about himself in the third person, I just find that really <laughs> always weird. Wrong. Always, wrong. always wrong. But um, yeah, <laughs> there's some funny ones. Right. On player character, I like this. He's obviously a fan of dogs and knows his breeds. He said, <laughs> with some players... If he has a chihuahua character, I can't make a chihuahua into a Rottweiler. He could be a proud chihuahua, but he remains a chihuahua. (laughs) Another one of his stories, I really enjoyed this. He once volunteered to run a a 2K charity race, right? So when he was at Swindon Town. In his kit, got out. (laughs) He obviously trains on the pitch with, you know, Swindon players and what have you. Been getting a bit more involved to get himself up to peak physical fitness. He took a wrong turn, genuinely, and ended up completing a half marathon purely (laughs) by mistake. That is absolutely true. Those are two of my favourites. Yeah, that's allowed. Yeah, they're both as managers, but I figured you two probably had the best of him as a player, I'm guessing, Lindsay. Well, actually, yeah, okay, I'll take over from this because I have got a player moment uh, for Di Canio. So my favourite player moment is a goal that he scored that actually gets me salivating. It's that good. It's when he played for West Ham and it was against Wimbledon Mm -hmm. and it's a mid-air volley. Both of his feet are off the floor. I have to watch this on repeat just to check every time he connects with Trevor Sinclair's cross and it's one of the sweetest volleys that flies into the back of the net and it's regularly voted as one of the top volleys ever scored and I've got the YouTube link so everyone if you get onto our Facebook page on our website offsiderulepodcast.com we will post it up there and you can watch it on repeat Um, so that's my player moment manager moment I think it has to be for me the victory over Newcastle you know the North East rivalry they won after 13 years a 3-0 triumph and Di Canio I think it was just that moment when he celebrated like a player running on the grass onto his knees. We've seen those touchline moments as well with Mourinho when he's dropped to his knees. But I just thought it summed up that moment for me and and a big moment in terms of Sunderland surviving last season. Um, And that result was quite crucial. So I picked that as my favourite managerial moment. 
Kate Bosset. I'm not a massive fan of him. I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry. She asked us for our best bits, and I was like, would you like the worst bits? I'm unsure about him, and I, he's incredibly fiery. He's incredibly opinionated. I have heard opinions from um, people working at Swindon Town that were not particularly favourable towards him and I'll leave it there before I say anything that I shouldn't do but um, but, I, but I'm not a massive fan of him. However, he has provided us with some entertaining moments hasn't he? Um, like Lindsay mentioned, that, that fantastic goal um, and I know Lindsay that you, that you were also, also going to mention the FIFA Fair Play Award for stopping play whilst uh, the Everton goalkeeper Paul Gerrard was badly injured. He also of course received slightly less praise for pushing referee Paul Alcock in the chest when he played for Sheffield Wednesday against Arsenal in 98. I'm not a big fan of the way he openly criticises his players. I don't think it does them any good. I don't think it makes him look any good. The example with John O'Shea, where he said that John O'Shea had conceded a terrible red card in the side's 3-1 defeat by Crystal Palace. Um, Wasn't a particular fan of that. I mean... (laughs) What he said about Titus Bramble was also pretty bad, I have to say. Um, He was asked about Bramble, who actually left Sunderland in the summer, and he said, and I quote some of it, someone will always be unhappy, like some stupid guy that left already, he said. If you ought to be 88 kilos and you're 104.8 kilos, just in case anyone was was unsure, and indeed Bramble looked at this and thought, but I'm 104.8 kilos, uh, then then you won't like my regime. And that's a regular footballer, not one after six months out. Injured. It's just unprofessional, an insult to a real professional. He can maintain his opinion, but he's probably not very clever. So, being outspoken against players like that, I, I just don't think it's incredibly classy, and I would expect more from him. He banned ketchup and mayonnaise, didn't he? But he also banned singing before games as well, no. before this new campaign. How could he take the songs away? He said it disturbed the players' concentration. Whilst he was a player, here's a moment. Now, Eng- any good moments? Yes. Well, perhaps not. But if you're an England fan, you can take this however you want. Paolo Di Canio once had the balls to push Fabio Capello over. This is when he played for Capello at AC Milan. And he was asked about this in, in um, an interview. And they said, did you swear at him and tell him to go... <clears throat> himself and then push him over. He said, well, no, I didn't push him. I just shoved him and then Capello fell over his bag, which to me sounds like the kind of thing that you'd get from a school playground. No, I didn't push him. He just tripped over his bag, honest. Yeah, right. I have to say, though, in credit to him as a player, he went from Lazio to Juventus, spent a season at Napoli under Marcello Lippi, where he played probably some of the best football that you would have seen from that era in Syria at that time. So for him as a player in Syria at that time when it was an amazing league to be a part of. I have to salute him for that. Okay, best Decanio moments are over, Kate. You can wipe that brow of yours. Uh, Let's take a quick break then and catch up on everything Twitter topic of the week this week. And it's one of Kate Borsay's favourite topics. She used to be a shoe buyer, didn't you? (laughs) Didn't you? So she loves fashion. She loves these moments. It's got a fashion theme. Uh, Let's see what Faye's got for us. Twitter topic of the week. So this week we've been asking you for your best footballer fashion faux pas. Oh, and we've had some good ones. You've been sending pictures in, keeping us all entertained. Go on to at Offside Rule Pod to check them all out. Here are some of our favourites. The Black Prince has been on fire this week, sending us Phil Brown's appearances on Goals on Sunday. Remember that pink jumper casually draped over his shoulders? Or the garish black and white shirt? Brilliant. He also mentions David Beckham's sarong. Even Bex, of course, couldn't pull that off. Richard Buxton posted that David David Moyes when Everton played Villarreal 
Real in 2005 uh, in the Champions League qualifier. He's wearing beige trousers with a blue jacket, yellow and blue tie. I don't actually think that's too horrific, Richard, to be honest. Certainly not as bad as the Liverpool players from the 1996 FA Cup final that Graham Witcher pointed out. Remember those Miami Vice-like white suits that Robbie Fowler, Steve McManaman et al. had to wear? Certainly one of my favourites. Uh, Phil says Lionel Messi's jacket was a disaster. It was. Gibral Cisse's featured highly this week, as you'd expect. Claire Fraz sent us that burgundy suit picture where he looks a little bit Willy Wonka or maybe Chris Eubank-esque, uh, complete with a cane as well. Reese sent a picture of Cisse wearing red trousers with a white T-shirt and a bow tie, very natty. Uh, I'm saving the best till last, though. Chris Horrocks says it's got to be Mario Balotelli's hat. Everything else is gangster rapper until he puts a big glove on his head. Love it. You have to check that picture out on Twitter. It was like an oversized tea cosy. Thanks for all of your suggestions. We'll have another Twitter topic for you next week. Thank you very much, Faye. And we'd just like to say as well, our winners of our competition on Twitter Topic of the Week a couple of weeks ago, we ran the competition with Vauxhall England to give away 10 pairs of tickets to go and see England women beat Belarus 6-0. 6-0. Any Aluko getting on the score sheet the same weekend that her brother Shawnee scores for Hull. What a goal that was. Mm-hmm. They both score brother and sister. Um, but there was another little thread of story to the weekend as well with this international because our very own Kate Borsay is in the England Women Match Programme, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in both of them. I was in the one against Belarus and then um, the England Women played Turkey on Thursday. And I'm in that one as well. And I mentioned this right at the beginning of, of, of the season. In the off-season, I set myself the task of learning how to play football properly, not just park football, not just kick around, but properly learning how to play football in about four weeks. And I wrote a diary about it, and the FA are going to pop it up on their website, but they also have kind of reduced it slightly, um, and it features in both matchday programmes. So that's up on our Facebook page if anyone wants to have a look at me making an idiot of myself. Can myself and Hayley also say wit woo to the other picture? For those that don't get the pleasure of seeing Kay because you're just listening on the offside pod, have a little look at the picture, shut your eyes, and that's exactly what she looks like every week when she comes in to record. <laughs> that's what she looks like right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I look like now. I am bandaged in a Hervé Leger dress with long blonde hair and skyscraper heels. Oh, brilliant. Well, we'll go on to our third topic now. So we'll talk road trips. Um, I've just spent way too much time in a car, basically. (laughs) So I I just, my brain and imagination ran away with itself and I thought I'd inflict it on you two as well. So can we think of four people? I'm talking about your driving and you've got four spaces in your car and you can pick anyone from the world of football. And yes, considering you text me when um, I was on my way back from Swansea, you can have dead people, Kate. (laughs) Um, And any four that would keep you entertained. But this isn't dinner date. It's not who would entertain you around a dinner table. This is for purposely for a road trip. Kate. So for this road trip, I think I'm going to drive a VW Beetle. Don't ask me why, but I think it'll just add to the atmosphere. And also because one of our stops is the Allianz Arena in Germany. So my my guests in my car, my passengers, uh, we're going to be going to the Allianz Arena and then we're going to be going on to the Maracanã. Quite a long trip in a car. <laughs> 
by all accounts. I hope you've got some good people for this trip. And a full tank of petrol. Uh, so I'm going to bring along with me in the car Bill Shankly. How could I not as a Liverpool fan? He would have been 100 uh, this year, just a few weeks ago. So I would bring him along. And with his one-liners, we couldn't fail to be entertained by his football wisdom. This is the guy, of course, who said, if Everton were playing at the bottom of the garden, then I'd pull the curtains. And to a Liverpool trainee at the time that he was in charge of Liverpool, the problem with you, son, is that all your brains are in your head. I just, I just sit there and wait for Shankly's classic one-liners. I'd also bring with me Tim Vickery who is a South American football expert, features uh, on the BBC, on, on Five Live, also on Sky Sports News and on TalkSport too. I find him, and I've never met him, but I'd like to, I find him fascinating. I love the way that he speaks about the South American game and I learn stuff every time I listen to him and that, for me, is a really good broadcaster. He is excellent. If you've not heard of him or never heard him talk about South American football, do check him out. I think he's on a couple of podcasts on the BBC site. He's he's brilliant and so fascinating and just links together everything that's going on with South America and how that relates to what's going on in Europe as well. I'd also bring, talking of Europeans, Jurgen Klopp. How could I not want the Dortmund manager in my car? Although I wouldn't invite a fourth official because <laughs> judging by his behaviour in the game against Napoli the other night, uh, I think it would do us a massive favour if I didn't invite the fourth official. Um, entertaining, intelligent, again, comes out with some wonderful one-liners and to me is a very positive person, very happy within a, within a collective uh, my final guest is Shaka Hislop. Now, I've got him in on, on footballing intelligence alone. Uh, former Trinidad and Tobago international, of course, uh, played over here at Newcastle. But I've brought him in because he's got a degree in mechanical engineering, once interned at NASA. Yes, brains galore. Um, his MLS blog for The Guardian. Now, he stopped doing that a few years ago, but I really enjoyed reading that. And that gives you a really good hint as to how his lops brains feature in his analysis of the game. He works for ESPN now as well. So um, you can um, check him out there. Um, the music for the road trip. I had to go Black Lace Party Tape because who wouldn't want to see Klopp and Shankly do the Agadoo? <laughs> Fantastic. Hayley. Mine are terrible, boring and obvious, but I was like, if I have to pick, this is what I'm going to go for. Could have gone for, I don't know, Freddie Lumberg, David Beckham, Hitches Navas (laughs) as my company in the car. But I have just gone for four people that I would love to see interact with each other because it's not very often you get them together. And I would like to see the fight for shotgun as well. Who's going to let who go in the passenger seat? I would like to be in charge of these. I would be driving. So I like Mm. the fact that I am in control and I am in charge of Sir Alex Ferguson. Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho and Arsene Wenger. Because they rarely get together. And when they do, it is fascinating. I remember watching a a programme and it was a panel with um, Wenger and Sir Alex Ferguson. Again, I would go on a really long road trip. I'd start in Govan with Sir Alex Ferguson talking about his childhood and how he grew up and and what happened. I'd maybe end up in, in Paris, I don't know, and speak to Wenger about French football as well. But just a trip up and down the UK would be absolutely fine. Bring them back down to London and set them free from each other. I'd just like to see how Mourinho would act, whether he would be like the little boy in the corner and suddenly he wouldn't be that kind of dominant character Mm. where he's very cocky Mm. and and, and sure of himself. First one to storm out the car? Who do we think? Mourinho. Wenger for me. Wenger? Really? I'm thinking Wenger. Yeah, Wenger. And first one to try and take over the steering wheel and put you in the back. (laughs) Possibly Pep. Come on, need to get on with this quick. 
up to. But yeah, I just think they're, they're such four inspirational managers. And when you ask other managers, those are the names that they obviously mention. Could have had David Moyes up there as well. I didn't want to go too Manchester United heavy. And Sir Alex would then have an ally then, wouldn't he? I don't really want that. I want four completely different people who've all managed in different countries, who all have different tales to tell. I just think it would be really interesting. I'd quite like to see what music they'd put on and how they'd go about deciding who would play what. You'd have Frank Sinatra in the best of, wouldn't you, for Fergie? Yeah, yeah. So that would kind of chill us all out. A bit of classic FM yeah. as I take to the wheel. Play? I don't know. Perhaps a bit of Edith Piaf for Wenger. Yeah. <laughs> Soundtrack to Amelie. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, exactly. quaint. Uh, but yeah, I'd just like to see who was the outspoken one, who kind of took charge mm. and started with the stories and what they'd ask each other. Because on a four-hour car journey, I'm thinking Glasgow down to London, actually probably six and a half, yeah. seven hours. They'd have to talk about something, wouldn't they? You just wonder what they would talk about and whether they would talk about what's been going on in life or whether it would just be football chat. I just find that so fascinating. Mm. I have to say with that one, Hayley, I think you definitely need to use your child lock system (laughs) for that one. Um, My road trip, I'm going to start with the music and I'm heading to Brighton, by the way, to the beach. Not a long journey because I thought if we don't get on and I'm not enjoying the chat, I can get them out quite quick. But also I want to go to the seaside. And also there's Chaka Waka Doodars in Brighton. I went to a wedding all weekend, that's why I didn't watch too much of the football and they had a Chaka Waka Doodar cake. It was delicious. Four tiers of just eat your face off kind of um, cakes. For anyone who doesn't know what Chocolate Doodah cake is, I'm with you. I've got no idea what these women are talking about. We should get them as our sponsor, definitely. Um, But I'll start with music. So I'm going... Chocolate Do Lally. (laughs) Do Lally, yeah. Um, I'm going to start with Brazilian midfielder Sandro. He's going to be in the passenger seat. He's going to be in charge of music, but not in terms of putting an iPod on or CD player, in terms of getting out his guitar because he plays so well. Apparently a very talented guitar player and I just let him strum along for the entire trip in the front of the car. Which means in my back, in my rear view mirror, um, just taking up and obscuring all of the mirror as I look in my rear view, it's going to be, very predictably, David Beckham. Because I just want to have a look occasionally <laughs> just to break up the journey. Would you not put him in the passenger seat so that if you didn't quite get the gear stick right, <laughs> you could cop a feel of his knee? Of his knee, yeah. Um, so Jack Charlton I would have in there. I just want to know and hear from someone who's got memories of us winning the World Cup (laughs) because it's not going to happen in my lifetime, I don't think. So I want to get all the stories, all the memories. And I loved football back then as well, before it got to be big business. And I think he would have some great tales to entertain the whole car for the journey. And then, of course, I had to have a Wolves connection. And I thought about going with Steve Bull to relive some of his 306 goals. But I've met Steve Bull on a few occasions. I've heard a few of these stories and I thought, no. Instead, I'm going to go for Don Goodman. Um, He's very opinionated. He's done some Sky Sports punditry. And he was someone that I loved at Wolves, along with DeWolf. But I can't get another person. Maybe I can put him in the boot. (laughs) So that's my car trip uh, going to Brighton. So let's hear from Kate Partridge and her Bundesliga roundup. I wonder if she's got much mention of Pep Guardiola. Hi, everyone. Welcome to post-match day six. And after talking of players that teams would miss, look no further than Frank Ribéry. The diminutive French scar-faced winger has now scored in 30 straight Bayern Munich victories as the defending champions triumphed 4-0 at plummeting Schalke. Last season's European Player of the Year is now just three short of Franz Beckenbauer's legendary 33-win scoring streak for Bayern, who are still unbeaten in the league under that other uber-talisman, Pep Guardiola. 
And all this after brushing aside Tesca 3-0 in the Champions League. Impressive. Bayern seemed to have more shots at a treble than Phil Taylor. While just three goals scored ahead of them at the top are rivals Dortmund, who lost their 100% record with a surprise 1-1 draw at Nuremberg. We'll take a point, said charismatic and clearly pragmatic manager Jurgen Klopp. Defender-turned-coach Sammy Hoopier for 10 years Liverpool's linchpin is now ensuring Bayer Leverkusen are making it a three-horse race, staying within a point of the top two after a 4-1 romp at Mainz, with two goals from Australian debutant Robbie Cruz. Now there's a surname made for headlines. And in the North German derby, managerless Hamburg lost 2-0 at home to Werder Bremen and slipped to third bottom. The Bundesliga's only ever-present club have since appointed former Dortmund and Holland boss Bert van Marwijk as coach. Only time will tell if he proves to be indispensable too. Thank you very much, Kate, with our Bundesliga roundup. Good to hear from her again. And remember, we are out every single Thursday. Keep an eye on our Twitter account, at OffsideRulePod. We've got a Facebook page, the website, OffsideRulePodcast.com. Details all of our podcasts, but also anything that we've talked about, like YouTube clips and photos. We'll try and get them on there, won't we? Um, Thank you very much once again, girlies. Thank you. No, thank you for listening. (laughs) And thank you and you. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you for episode eight next week. Bye. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay.